I do want to, uh, before we begin, do a little shout out for those of you who are worshiping with us online. Sometimes I know it can feel like you may not uh, be as engaged because you're not here, but we know you are watching with us. And so we actually have our very own Reverend Paige Christian online worshiping with us this morning. She's going to ask some questions during the sermon, and she is there to pray for you however you need this week. So however, wherever you are this morning, we are glad you're worshiping with us. Will you all join me in prayer? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This is it, friends. This is our last week of our sermon series, Why Church? It has been so much fun highlighting the different ministries here at Christ United during this series. And in general, we've really been doing it the past seven weeks. This is our eight weeks of awesomeness, and this is week number eight. Reagan and I had the opportunity last week, Reagan Gilliland, one of our pastors, we talked on the podcast off script, and I told her that preparing sermons for this series has brought me so much joy. Sometimes, confession, I can get bogged down in creating a message for us, so bogged down, that I forget what a joy it is to stand here and be with you all on Sunday mornings. This morning, I am overwhelmed with joy. I love being a part of this congregation. I love hearing each of your stories and seeing the many ways that you all engage in the life of the church. I love that we have children in our service that dance, that run around, maybe they cry sometimes. I love that in the middle of the sermon, I can ask what I think is a rhetorical question only to hear a little voice call out with an answer. It brings me joy that this is a safe space for all of us of every single age. I love seeing you all wave and smile to one another. I love watching the band warm up and joke around and bring joy to us as they lead us in worship music. And every time I see this sermon series image, I feel, I feel a stirring in my heart. Sometimes it can be hard to explain why the church matters. It's hard to put to words the community and the fellowship that we find inside of a local church. Our focus this Sunday has always planned to be number four, worship. And I can't talk about worship without talking about community and engagement within the church. Because any time any one of us decides to step into these doors on a Sunday morning or to tune in with us online, we are engaging in worship and in the community of this church. Maybe a better tagline than worship for this week would have been, you are welcome here. You are welcome here. Because worship can mean a lot of different things. Does worship mean the actual process of giving praise to God? Does it refer to the singing that we do? Does it mean just the general Sunday morning service? The answer to all of those questions is 
yes and. Like prayer, growth, service, worship can be something that we do by ourselves. But there is worth in doing it in a community surrounded by other people. It is important to this community here in Modern Worship that we create a worship experience that is accessible to all people. We can't control your heart when you come into these doors. But we, and when I say we, I really mean we, meaning all of us, not just me and the band, us, we can ensure that this is a place where all people feel welcome. No matter your clothes, no matter your past or your present, no matter your politics or your doubt or your identity. As United Methodist, we believe that Christ's grace is offered to all people for all time. When you walk into these doors, we want you to know that you are welcome here. Jesus, the reason we do this whole thing, Jesus was a radical guy. And he was radical for a number of different reasons. But one big reason Jesus was considered radical was because of the way he spoke on behalf of the marginalized. We're going to look at one such instance this morning from the Gospel of Luke. We're going to be in Luke chapter 14. And in this chapter, Jesus and the disciples, they are on their journey to Jerusalem for Passover. Now, they're not there yet. It's a very long journey. And Luke gives us some different stories along the way. They're heading to Jerusalem for Passover. And we know Jesus's eventual death and resurrection too. While they are on this long journey, they often stop and they meet with people along the way. In the passage we're concerned with, Jesus is actually at the home of a Pharisee or a religious leader of the time where he and some others are seated around a table. They are sharing a meal together. So this scripture is a long scripture, so we're gonna kind of break it up this morning. It's gonna be worth our time, friends. Let's start in chapter 14. We're gonna start with verses one through six. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to share a meal in the home of one of the leaders of the Pharisees, they were watching him closely. A man suffering from an abnormal swelling of the body was there. Jesus asked the lawyers and the Pharisees, does the law allow healing on the Sabbath or not? But they said nothing. Jesus took hold of the sick man, cured him, and then let go. Jesus said to them, Suppose your child or ox fell into a ditch on the Sabbath day. Wouldn't you immediately pull it out? But they had no response. This part of the story is not always included in the larger part we're about to get into with the banquet. But it is important for us to take note of this introduction to this story today. Jesus is at a meal He's in a ton of different meals throughout Luke. But at this meal, he notices that a man is suffering. He asks the lawyers and the Pharisees there if he should not heal this man since it's the Sabbath, which according to Jewish law is a day of rest. And they don't reply. 
Nobody says anything. Jesus even heals this man and then makes this beautiful comparison, and still they say nothing. Earlier in this very gospel and in the other gospels, the Pharisees and the other other religious leaders time and time again call Jesus out because he heals on the Sabbath. And yet Jesus continues to do it. Jesus pushes the boundaries that are set within this culture. Jesus pushes them so often, the religious leaders around the table don't even argue anymore. They don't even speak out against him this time. Jesus knows the law of the Old Testament, but he finds these moments to really push the bounds of the law. And instead, he appeals to the people's hearts and to their common sense. Let's keep all this in mind as we continue. Verses 7 through 11. Still at the dinner. When Jesus noticed how the guests sought out the best seats at the table, Jesus told them a parable, which is kind of Jesus' whole thing. When someone invites you to a wedding celebration, don't take your seat in the place of honor. Someone more highly regarded than you could have been invited by your host. The host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give your seat to this other person. Embarrassed, you will take your seat in the least important place. Instead, when you receive an invitation, go and sit in the least important place. When your host approaches you, he will say, friend, move up here to a better seat. Then you will be honored in the presence of all your fellow guests. All who lift themselves up will be brought low and those who make themselves low will be lifted up. Now, here Jesus is not really being all that radical. These Jewish leaders should know that throughout the Hebrew scripture, God uses the lowly for really big things. God over and over in the New Testament, Old Testament redeems the broken. He provides hope and life to the downtrodden. When I was in third grade, I went to a friend's birthday sleepover. There were about 10 other girls there, and my friend, the birthday girl, assigned each of us where we would be sleeping in the living room. She decided these based on her ranking of friends. So those who were closest to the birthday girl got to sleep on this big air mattress that had been brought out. Then the girls who weren't so close with her were ranked last, and they got to sleep on the floor. I wasn't lucky enough to be on the air mattress, but I also wasn't at the bottom on the floor either. I was assigned to sleep on a couch, which now seems like, that's great. But at the time, I was so embarrassed. I was humiliated to be ranked by a friend and then to just kind of fall in the middle. Not the best, but not the worst either. It was hard for me to be ranked. And I spent the rest of the night trying to win over the birthday girl in hopes that she would elevate me to the air mattress, the place of power and position. Not any one of us particularly like 
being ranked or being told that we're not as close with someone as we think we are. We all want the air mattress. We want the good seat at the table. We all want to be noticed. We want to be appreciated. We want to be cherished. Maybe we don't all have to vie for that coveted air mattress these days, but we can all probably think of those moments that still happen in our lives where we feel left out, where we feel like we're not included, where we think we should have a higher seat than we actually have. The religious leaders of this time know that they are supposed to be humble, that they are supposed to take their rank with stride, that they are supposed to humble themselves before other men and before God. But often they get swept away in their own worldly desires. I'm gonna, we're going to hang on a cliff a little minute. Let's keep going. Verses 12 through 15. Then Jesus said to the person who had invited them, When you host a lunch or dinner, don't invite your friends and sisters, or your friends, your brothers and sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, those people will invite you in return, and that will be your reward. Instead, when you give a banquet, invite the poor, crippled, lame, and blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. Instead, you will be repaid when the just are resurrected. When one of the dinner guests heard Jesus' remarks, he said to Jesus, happy are those who will feast in God's kingdom. We're back to that radical boundary-pushing Jesus here. Jesus challenges the people to do good things for others without receiving any type of earthly reward. He says, invite people to dinner who could never repay the favor, who could never afford the ability to invite you to their home for dinner. Jesus promises that if you do this, you will be blessed. Then Jesus gets to his all-famous parable, verses 16 through 24. I told y'all it's a lot of scripture. This is our last bit. We can do this. Jesus replied, A certain man hosted a large dinner and invited many people. When it was time for the dinner to begin, he sent his servants to tell the invited guest, come, now the dinner is ready. One by one, they all began to make excuses. The first one told him, I bought a farm and must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another one said, I bought five teams of oxen and I'm going to check on them. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married, so I can't come. When he returned, the servant reported these excuses to his master. P.S. Side note, these are very valid excuses. Let's not hate on the people for these excuses. Okay, the master of the house, though, became angry. And he said to his servant, go quickly to the city streets, the busy ones, and the side streets. Bring the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. The servant said, Master, your instructions have been followed, and still there is room. The master said to the servant, go to the highways and back alleys and urge people to come in so that my house will be filled. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will taste my dinner. 
This is the word of God for the people of God. Let the church say, thanks be to God. None of Jesus's parables are easy. That's kind of what makes them parables in the first place. They are meant to challenge the status quo and to make people think outside of the comfy boxes that so many are accustomed to. This parable in particular is challenging because it asks them to break down the systems that they're currently living in and that they're relying on. And I don't believe that Jesus teaches this parable to call out just the Pharisees. Unfortunately, many people love to really hate on the Pharisees throughout Scripture or to use them as a scapegoat. When in reality, Jesus spends just as much time having meals and in deep discussions with the Pharisees as he does with those on the margins. Jesus dined with the poor and the elite. So when this story is included in the gospel reading of Luke, it's assumed that there's a message for the larger audience, not just for the Pharisees. So what is the message here? Jesus, once again, this time through a parable, challenges the people to invite those in who are on the margins, to invite them into their homes and to share a meal together. Jesus doesn't say to donate your money to them or to drop off a casserole on their porch. Jesus doesn't say to pay for their meal when you see them out and about. Jesus tells the people to invite them inside their homes for a meal. A meal is intimate. Shared meals were common during Jesus' time because they were an act of hospitality. And they provided a place for people to come together to debate, to have deep discussions with one another. Jesus wants the people to acknowledge the privilege that they have in hosting such meals and then to use that privilege to bless someone else. Jesus believed that humans, all humans, could learn from one another, that they could care for one another, that together people could transform the world. All he asks is that we come together at the table. During the pandemic, our church here has looked different. We've had to adjust and readjust. We have had to be creative and then be creative in our creativity. Attending church became something that could be done online. Or for some, maybe attending church was something that was kind of easy to overlook. And we got out of the habit of doing. I want you all to be in worship I want you all to come to church. I want you to come for the prayers. I want you to come for the discipleship. I want you to come to serve. And I want you to come for the music and for the message. I want you to come to church because we believe community is important. We believe that when we worship together here in person or online, that God shows up in ways that are sometimes really hard to put to words. With this pandemic and out of safety, having meals together around the table may not be in the cards for us for quite some time. In the meantime, 
consider this your open invitation to keep showing up for church. We want you here. We need you here. In person or online, you, yes, you, yes, you, are essential to this community. We also want to reiterate that we want to follow Jesus' example here in modern worship, that our doors are open to all people. I would love for you to come to worship and sit on a row with someone who you disagree with in a million different ways, but that you're able to unite in your love for Christ and your love of sharing Christ's love with the world. Jesus pushed boundaries. Jesus often questioned authority. He stood up for all people. He opened up the table to fit everyone around it. Why church? Being a part of a church is important because it's the way we come together despite all of our differences. During the pandemic, it was hard to know who was worshiping online. It was hard to know who was still around. I often felt like I missed out on knowing who our congregation was. Yet, the church still worked. During the past 20 months, we've had over 30 people, some not pictured here, join our congregation. We've had people connect and come into our doors for the first first time ever or for the first time in a long time. Why church? Because community still matters. Because who sits around our table, who worships together in this space is important. We want to be a place where all people can come together and experience the love of Christ. Jesus wanted people from all walks of life to unite together to partake together. You are welcome here. May we go out and welcome others to the love of Christ. Amen.